microphone check one two what is this it's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business and we're back with another episode of QLC TV. My name is Rohan and I'm the host of this lovely show where I aim to give you authentic insight into the world of music, which will be a primary focus as it's my absolute utmost passion in the world. I just love music. I'll also be talking about politics, culture, sports, as well as personal topics related to growing into adulthood. As all of this is delivered from the perspective of a 25-year-old Indian man living in Canada, trying to make sense of not only myself, but of the world. So all in all, I thank you so much for listening and taking part in this creative journey that I'm embarking on with QLC TV. And I just hope that this platform will not only give myself, but give those listening something nice to look forward to when they wake up in the morning because if i achieved that then i've succeeded hey everybody it's qlc tv episode 10 september 12th i'm your host rohan and i'm here talking about the new big sean album detroit 2 scissors back with finally a new single and looks like a new project so i'll be discussing the track with ty dollar sign hit different and then I'll, I'll wrap it up by talking about an artist that I'm really, really big fan of, Sadistic. He had a, a nice EP that I'm going to quickly touch on at the end of this. So starting with this Big Sean album, honestly, I thought this would be probably my first critical full-length review of something that I've reviewed on the podcast. You know, Big Sean is a Detroit rapper. He signed to good music and was most notably taken under Kanye's wing as his protege, I guess you could say, and was signed by him based off of a radio freestyle in, I think, 2000 and 2008. So Big Sean's been around the rap game for quite a while. He signed with Good Music, I believe, in 2009. Early on in his career, uh, Big Sean was known for being the most notable pioneer of that hashtag flow. Now, for those that don't know what the hashtag flow is, that's basically where you say you replace the like or as in a simile statement where you're like, I am as hot as fire, and you just replace that like or as word with a pause. So I'm I'm hot, fire. You know, that's something you could say. And yeah, he was one of the notable pioneers for that, although there's a lot of kind of misleading messaging out there Kanye even said that he started that on Barry Bonds off graduation where he said uh, you know here's another hit Barry Bonds which is an example of hashtag rap off of his 2007 track with Lil Wayne and then there's other people way earlier Ludacris and G like yeah there's a lot of other people that are supposedly pioneers of that flow but nonetheless I think Big Sean was one of the most notable people to use it so frequently off of his 2009 mixtape, uh, Finally Famous. And so being this notable pioneer in the modern game, obviously Drake had to bite his style and used it on Forever, that, that big posse cut with Eminem, Kanye, and others. And that caused some initial friction uh, between them, but that was something he was known for. Uh, he was also known for Kanye always vouching for him early in his career, which always personally as a big fan of Kanye always made me give him more chances and think okay there must be some real potential here there must be something 
that that's here that I'm missing that I need to keep listening to find. Sean has always been a rapper that I have to give him credit has always had a good knack for songwriting, beat selection, and he he has a pretty versatile flow. He can he can go uh he's quite a quite a strong technical rapper when it comes to just the delivery aspect of it. Some people don't like his voice. It's kind of corny. It's kind of like this like childish voice at times, but I'm I have no problems with it personally and he also often has some good wordplay he definitely isn't one of those rappers that doesn't try like he tries to pack in uh clever lines and cool little puns here and there and he does have some interesting introspective subject matter but when I talk about that kind of subject matter it's often in the realm of motivational inspirational came from nothing rags to riches that kind of story and i have to admit the way he does it for the majority of his career has not been all that unique and otherwise he's just often been a very corny rapper with again subject matter that even when it's trying to be meaningful it ends up just coming off very vapid and surface level and is not justified by strong enough lyricism or strong enough flow or overall charisma or personality but but all that being said, there's been some good and even great moments on some of his albums. He's known for the control verse and the control song. And it's funny that I say the control verse first, which is my first instinct was to say the verse, which just tells you kind of where Big Sean is in the rap game and that he had a song with Kendrick Lamar, Jay Electronica called Control. It kind of didn't end up making his second album hall of fame in 2013 but it was the big big single it leaked early or it was released early and kendrick's verse set the whole music world on fire he called out a bunch of rappers it was more of in a competitive spirit not like a diss and it was a crazy verse and big sean actually had a good verse too but it was completely and utterly forgotten so you can see the narrative that I'm trying to paint here in that Big Sean's direct contribution to this watershed moment in rap in 2013 was literally that he phoned Kendrick and asked him to be on the song. So you see here that although Big Sean has been a very commercially successful artist and he's definitely one of the more known and popular acts, he hasn't created enough real moments that transcended rap culture or even pop culture that would make him a true household name you can tell the story of hip-hop over the past 20 years and never need to include big sean's name anywhere and that may sound harsh but that's just the truth and it's important to note all of this context around this Detroit 2 album is because a lot of what Big Sean raps about is about this lack of respect that he gets in the rap game. And up until Detroit 2, it was clear to me, at least, that he wasn't really known for anything of all that importance. The hashtag flow thing is about it. And he doesn't have the quality full bodies of work that you can really appreciate front to back 
or doesn't have the memorable moments that stole the headlines and got people talking about what he did or his music. And this is all important to note because he demands this respect and he often proclaims that he doesn't get enough of it. And Detroit 2, in a lot of ways, was billed as this project that would solidify his place in the game. Because Detroit 2 felt different to me. It felt different to me for a couple different reasons. One being the rollout. The rollout for this project was fantastic. It was led with some great visuals, strong singles, and and did it in a very smart 2020 approach, I guess you could say where he released two full singles, Deep Reverence and Heart of My Demons, and and then also had these nice teaser trailers that were released with other visuals that were all released to the public within a two-week span. So he really ensured to build the hype very quickly and didn't let any of the momentum die before the actual release of the album Detroit 2. And overall, it just came off very high budget as if a lot of care was put into it. I liked the visuals. I liked the songs. I thought Deep Reverence was a good track, and same with Heart of the My Demons. And then on top of that, the guest list was filled with interesting collaborations, and the production credits, mainly handled by Hitboy, again, Hitboy is having a crazy 2020, having produced the whole recent Nas album, King's Disease in Full, which I reviewed in episode 8. And then he also has a Benny the Butcher collaboration coming up on September 22nd. So he was all over this project. He executive produced it. And there was some other interesting uh, co-collaborators with the production. So it seemed really high budget. It was Detroit 2. So it was a sequel to... Uh, a mixtape of his that I thought was okay. I definitely think had some of his most promise for sure. And it's his hometown. I thought there'd be an extra level of introspection or importance that he'd put on this project. So yeah, what did we what did we hear when we when I actually listened to Detroit Two? Well, I think it definitely starts off strong. The intro track is pretty solid, but then Lucky Me is a real standout. It starts off with this nice kind of jazzy, jazzy kind of beat where he recounts different things that have happened to his life that were sarcastically made him very lucky, but also seriously made him very lucky. Um, and it, it was some personal moments where he talked about some heart condition he used to have when he was younger that I had no no idea about. And then there was some other lines that actually made me laugh genuinely, like this time, this line where he says something along the lines of when the girl of your dreams gets canceled and you have to delete all the pictures you saved of her on Instagram. It was it was a funny, funny, funny line. And then there's this really nice beat switch, some nice vocal, super climactic, and then it kind of comes into this more like trappy, banger-type beat. It, it was a really, really solid start to this album. Then it gets to deep reverence with Nipsey Hussle. This was probably Big Sean's best lyrical song I've heard in maybe his whole career. Nipsey drops a really good verse, very consistent. Again, super sad that he passed away because I, I was starting to really see what others were seeing with Nipsey being such a capable rapper and such an inspiring story. And for those that don't know, Nipsey Hussle, he was a West Coast rapper who very 
very similar in a lot of ways to Mock Homie, a, a rapper that I, I reviewed his project a couple episodes ago where he sold his albums for very expensive prices and distributed his music in a really unique way that garnered a lot of criticism, but then a lot of credit later on, who was also really starting to gain mainstream success. And then he passed away in 2018. It was incredibly sad. He just got shot randomly. There was really no reason for it. So yeah, Big Sean having him on his record is pretty significant. So RIP to him, but nonetheless, Sean delivered a really good verse. He opens up about his battles with depression in a really interesting way. And, and again, in a way that actually was interesting, actually was captivating and meaningful. It wasn't very vague. He talked about different kinds of things he does, like he meditates often and says that do the people that hate him all the time that don't even know him know that he's dealing with this? It was a nice kind of perspective he gave to that whole that it to his whole mind state all delivered again with really solid bars and wordplay which was definitely seen as a marked improvement for me at least because sean historically for me has often showed off wordplay and as i mentioned earlier tends to really try to give that uber wordplay and everything that he drops but he often just leaves me thinking like why would you say it like that that was such an unnecessary pun, such an unnecessary simile. I was never a fan of the hashtag flow or hashtag rap, so that never really connected with me either. But on this project, he limits that and actually incorporates wordplay that adds to the sentiment of what he's saying and actually makes sense for the most part. You know, there's a line on here where he says, on a Zen the fuck out, he says, if we don't have the same vision, then we can't exchange contacts. So it's not just a simplistic, meaningless vision, eye, contacts uh, angle here. It actually has a little bit more of a meaning because it's saying that he literally doesn't want to be in contact and be around with people who don't share his same vision and goals. It actually has a point to it versus just inserting random wordplay and puns that just distract, and which is something that he does much less here on this project, which was def definitely very welcomed. But overall, the production is definitely the most consistent aspect of this project. And it's what you'd expect in terms of sound from a mainstream act, but sounds very expensive, layered with trap influences and in some of the beats and the drumming. Uh, overall, good drum work throughout the project, Some, but also some extravagant flourishes in the background vocals here and there and some extra live instrumentation that, that add a nice touch. A good example of that is the outro, which is definitely one of the best songs on the album. Super triumphant, these horns, these uh, really nice percussion that had a lot of texture that definitely sounds very live. So yeah, I've, I've talked about a lot of good things about this project so far. I definitely see an improvement in his wordplay and his lyricism compared to his previous work. And as I said, it, it was starting off relatively strong body language and that wolves track with with post malone actually work pretty well for me i have no complaints but then it starts to really fall off after guard your heart which is an amazing song with anderson pack this guy named early mac i've never heard of that gives this kind of pseudo spoken word hook really meaningful anderson pack sings the hell out of that song but then it starts to get into a mediocre run of tracks that only really starts picking up again at full circle 
with Diddy, and that that's another really great song. And then has a decent Wayne track as well towards the end of the track list. An interesting Friday Night Cypher, which features all of these Detroit rappers, including Royce to 59 Eminem, Boldy James, a rapper I've, I've reviewed on this podcast already, where Big Sean actually has a really good verse, I think. And even Eminem has a pretty strong verse, although he's kind of rapping in that Kermit the Frog voice that he's been doing later in his career. I don't know why, but his verse is even actually pretty good, too. And as I already mentioned, ends with a strong track with Dom Kennedy uh, to end the album. But littered throughout all of what I mentioned, there's just tracks that are very uninspired and don't have the same urgency and good lyricism that he was displaying on some of the better cuts here. Respect It with Young Thug is, is very disappointing. Young Thug does nothing interesting on this. I expected a lot more, to be honest. And overall just tends to lose a lot of the steam and the momentum when he resorts to more typical mainstream generic trap sounds on some of these tracks. And then the the 2088 collaboration that he does with Janae Aiko is horrible. Just a horrible song altogether. And overall I just think this album actually works much better when Sean is being introspective, like on Full Circle, where he kind of talks about different life events, noting parallels between what has happened in the past and what is happening currently in his present life. And then Guard Your Heart's a really sentimental track at sometimes that comes off really well. You know, it shows glimpses of his mental health struggles on Deep Reverence, as I mentioned, and insight into his view on his career in a sobering way. It actually came off like he actually had something of substance to say on some of these tracks versus just that vague motivational bars that he continues to drop on other songs on this album that definitely bring down the overall quality. And it's a shame because even when he's rapping in about stuff I don't really care about or the wordplay is kind of like, okay, I guess, lyricism's just okay, these are some of his most impassioned performances when it comes to technical ability and the delivery, the flow. And then obviously when he does get some of the subject matter right, the lyricism is actually some of his best. But still, this album just fails because of the filler. There's 21 songs, the album is quite long. And although there are there is a good amount of cohesion for how long this project is, particularly in the production, and the music is grand, and expensive sounding and luxurious it it all fails to provide enough for me to keep coming back to it due to the lack of consistent meaty lyricism or consistently catchy pop tracks to make this album work like all those generic trap songs i'm referring to they're not even all that catchy so overall although this album is his most polished yet and i think his his most cohesive which is definitely impressive given how long the, the album is. It showcases as well the best production and technical ability, and I think lyricism and subject matter, the most focus he's ever showed on a project with not as many corny bars. It sounds the most boldest and inspired he's ever sounded in his career. I think this is his best project, but does that make it a good project? I still don't think so. It's just okay to me. The filler brings us down and therefore doesn't change the overall narrative about Big Sean's legacy. 
And if you notice when I was trying to describe, you know, give him, give you some highlights about who this guy is, you notice that I didn't really say much about a big project or some artist that he brought under his wing that flourished under his tutelage. You can see in that that his impact in the game isn't truly in that elite status with the with the J. Coles, the Kendricks, and the Drakes, which I know are the people that he aspires to be in the same class of, but I think fails to. Because unlike the elites in the game, Sean has no notable artists that came up in the game under his wing, no notable influence on the the genre other than creating some big singles and, and definitely some commercially successful albums, but nothing critically acclaimed, nothing that people would even think about calling a classic. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but his output and results in the rap game, unfortunately, don't satisfy the lofty status and ascension I think Big Sean was always hoping for when he, you know, looks up, as he says in his ad-libs. And this album doesn't do enough to redefine his place in the rap game. So those are my thoughts on the new Big Sean. Still a solid, okay project. I'd give it a 6.5 on 10. I think it's his best project yet. But, you know, for all the reasons I mentioned, it still comes off a little disappointing. And now I'll move to the new SZA single. So she dropped a song with Ty Dolla Sign called Hit Different. And for those who are unaware of who SZA is, she is from St. Louis, signed to the label that a lot of people know due to Kendrick, Top Dog Entertainment. She began in 2014 in the R&B scene and then really made a name for herself in 2017 with Control. And so this new single is definitely worthy of discussion, and it's notable for a couple different reasons. And I'll start with the first reason being that it's actually a good song. You know, it's not exactly some cutting-edge alternative R&B track. It tends to find itself in the synthetic R&B world that the feature artist Ty Dolla Sign typically finds himself in. But it's still a, a good track. You know, I'm not exactly blown away by it, though. But that being said, Sizz has always been an artist that takes a lot of time for me to really get behind. Because with her critically acclaimed, super successful debut studio album, Control, from 2017. That took me at least a year plus to really get into. I consistently went back to it, hearing all of this fond reviews and all this hype that was behind it, and I just never could understand why do people find this to be so special. But then it clicks. It clicked with me, and it and it's really amazing. A really amazing project, one of the best R&B albums of the 2010s for me. So I definitely expect this single to grow on me since the melodies are are definitely strong, especially when SZA ends her verse and kind of transitions back into the chorus with Ty Dolla Sign. She makes me feel that passion from her voice and, and the way Ty Dolla Sign and SZA's voices mesh together I think definitely was a nice combination. So even though I'm not blown away by this song, SZA still shows that she has that it factor that I heard from Control. Now, although by no means is SZA some exceptional top-tier technical vocalist like a Mariah Carey or something like that, she has this uncanny ability 
to express the vulnerability and heartache she has inside of her in each word that she sings, and it's very special. You know, take the chorus from Drew Barrymore, uh, an amazing song off of her debut album, Control, where she sings, Am I Warm Enough For You in the chorus of the, of the song, which is a metaphor for asking this man, uh, this love interest, is she physically attractive enough for him? And it comes off incredibly moving, incredibly climactic. The insecurity and the sadness that she gives off is so palpable. It just makes you want to hug her. It makes you want to feel for her and feel something inside of you. It's really what separates her from the rest of the R&B pack, in my opinion. So if this is the first single off of a forthcoming SZA album, I am absolutely psyched. You know, especially given the fact that we got a high-budget video that went along with this single, it really does give me the impression that her new album is finally coming after a three-year-plus wait. And so that brings me to my second reason why this is a very notable occurrence of this new single coming out, because TDE, her label, Top Dog Entertainment, has often been criticized for their strategy of releasing projects after very long waits. So SZA released this album in 2017. We're in 2020, nearing the end of it. And amidst that three-year-plus wait, there's been lots of kind of noise around if the album was ever going to come out, if she was getting dropped from the label. Seemed a lot of drama happening behind the scenes but it seems like everybody's in good spirits now so i'm really excited about that but i i do count myself as one of those people that criticize their strategy just a bit i'm all for artists taking their time i tend to lean towards that strategy but it all depends on who you are kendrick lamar hasn't released an album since 2017 as well but it's Kendrick Lamar. He's established. He's he's minted. He's a goat. He's one of the legends already. He doesn't need to continue momentum and anything like that. If he drops tomorrow, people will be going nuts. But SZA was still up and coming. She established herself, yes, but she didn't establish herself as an A-lister. She needs to have some more projects, some more singles under her belt before she can get to that status. And I found that and I find that if she would have released a project maybe within the next two years after Control or at least early this year, I really think that she would have ascended into that upper class of the R&B conversation and selling much more records than she, she normally does if she were able to build momentum off of Control and release something sooner. But still, if Hit Different is any indication of the upcoming project, I'm expecting that this should at least be good. However, I do hope that she blends more live instrumentation with that synthetic sound that we hear on this track, which is similar to what she did on Control, where she struck a really nice balance between synthetic, more mainstream, R&B, moody trap sound with some live drumming, some strings some horns. I'm hoping that she strikes that balance because I found the production on Control really differentiated her style and her sound from the rest 
of the R&B scene and overall was just incredibly exceptional. I loved the production on that album. So fingers crossed that we get another SZA album coming soon. I am absolutely psyched. I can't wait. So I'm going to end it here by discussing this new EP from an artist that I have heard of for many years, but only really started to mess with in about 2017, 2018. This artist is named Sadistic, and he's really made a name for himself in the independent scene. But what I find interesting about him is he's from Seattle, and he honestly doesn't really have like a huge crew or movement that he's really behind. He's really cultivated a sound and a fan base very independently by himself. And he really caught my attention when he released a project in 2019 called Haunted Gardens that absolutely blew me away. His style is very kind of like, you could categorize it as emo rap, but... It, yeah, it's definitely kind of depressing. There's often very ethereal production. But he also has some abrasive songs and abrasive projects just in general. I'm thinking of 2017's Alters. That's very energetic. That shows sadistic just spaz on the mic. Because this guy is an exceptional rapper. He has great wordplay. His subject matter in general is very interesting. It's very meaningful. He's often talking about depression, of his insecurities, of, you know, just trying to make it through each and every day the best way he can. But he does it in a very esoteric way. And he often conjures up a lot of imagery of demons and of spirituality. And it's really dark in that kind of sense. I think he strikes a really good balance of meaningful subject matter really dark and depressing moody music with exceptional lyrical ability so this haunted gardens project that i'm referring to from 2019 i think is his best because this was him in the more ethereal calmer bag it wasn't as energetic and bombastic as some of his other projects which i do like but i think he's at his absolute best when he's more in the melancholy uh, vein because I really don't know an artist that does melancholy better than this guy. That Haunted Gardens project truly moved me. It, it truly it's, it truly just like brings you into this state of mind that I, I rarely encountered through any kind of music I've listened to where it really just brings you down, really makes you feel very emotional, very heavy. It's very sobering. And I mean these all in positive ways. But I will admit that it's it's quite an acquired taste, particularly with the subject matter being so heavy and on the nose, it can be a little much for some people. And that's further accentuated by his voice, which is very downtrodden, zombie-like, although it's not really necessarily monotone. It's just very expressive in the sadness through his voice and it's also just the tone of his voice that further makes his music sound so morbid and zombie-like due to the vocal tone and the inflection of his voice and it was off-putting for me at first uh, but but that being said he knows how to somehow manage to balance that very weighty 
uh, effect that his voice has and the subject matter he has with really good wordplay and clever rhyme schemes that make the weight a little more bearable and even fun at times. So this EP I want to discuss, Elysium, it's more in line with that kind of sound that he displayed on Haunted Gardens, which is definitely a plus for me. It's a short EP, about 19 minutes long, and you'll hear from this project a lot of really calm beats, but there's a lot of nice moody vocals and sound effects kind of in the background, but the focus is always Sadistic's rapping, and you'll hear the immense level of poetry that he always puts forward, as well as just really great flows like like the first song is probably my favorite song on this whole project canary in a mine where he just goes crazy on this beat but it's also so subtle it's so smooth his flow he really has refined his style over the years and really is one of the best technical rappers that that is out there in the game right now he even has a feature from mick jenkins mick jenkins is a chicago rapper uh, really got big in 2014 off of his mixtape The Waters and has had a steady career so far. Definitely one of my favorite young lyricists, but you know, he's never been able to really meet up to the potential that I see in him just yet, but he's definitely someone you should keep an eye on. And so he's featured on on uh, track five off this project that I found was really interesting. I didn't expect that collab at all, but you know, clearly they're fans of each other, so that that's that's really cool. You know, overall, this is a, a really nice project. It's not it's not as fulsome, obviously, as his full lengths, but it's not supposed to be either. And I'd give it a solid seven point two on ten. It still, even in the short runtime, puts you in a mood, sets an atmosphere, paints a picture, and I strongly recommend this album for anybody who's interested in that moody kind of music that I was describing because his style's very insular. It's very detached from the rest of the rap game. So it's a really interesting listen and I strongly recommend it. So I'm going to end this episode now by just floating an idea that I've been thinking of. I'm thinking for some kind of major projects, I'm thinking I want to consider doing like a live reaction to some project and record it and then release it as an episode of this podcast. I feel like I would only potentially do this for really big mainstream projects or projects that were really out there that would garner a particular reaction from me or just some really controversial project or talked about like a Drake project. I'm not fully sure if I'm on board with it yet. I've never done a reaction, but I always love those reaction videos on YouTube. And I don't know how exciting it'll be without the the video, but that's just something I'm thinking about. I'm mulling over, and I just wanted to put that out there. If anybody listening has any thoughts on that, think it's stupid, think it's really cool, or has some adjustment to the idea, I'm all ears. So, otherwise, you know, that concludes it for today. Thank you for listening. Check out these projects and the SZA single because I really want to hear your thoughts. And also make sure that you check out my Spotify playlist that I previously mentioned that just has uh, an hour of some of my favorite songs, both new and old, uh, that you can see on my link tree on all my social media profiles. So make sure you check that out. It's great music. 
So that concludes what I wanted to talk about in today's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate the support. I love doing this, and I can't wait to continue doing more of these episodes of QLC TV moving forward. If you want to follow me, support the podcast, please subscribe on all the podcast channels that you use, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Roview, so that's R-O-H-V-I-E-W, and shoot me a comment, send me a DM, and feel free to suggest whatever topic you think I should cover, whether it be some political discussion, music, etc. Or if you just wanted to send me some feedback about something that you think I should improve on or consider changing as it relates to the show, I'm definitely all ears. I wanted to start this podcast to, to help myself grow, help myself uh, express myself more efficiently, more concisely, more effectively. So I'm always open to anything that I should improve on, whether it be about how I deliver the show, or just to criticize some horrible take that I had. I'm all ears. And I'd like to extend an open invitation to anybody who's listening right now who would like to join me in a discussion on any topic of your liking. Just shoot me a DM, post a comment, and I would love to do that because I want to connect with you guys who are listening as much as I can and foster a community. So thank you once again for listening. Peace.